beautiful friends. Welcome to the Arise to Life podcast, where we share real and raw conversations about our sometimes crazy, but always beautiful kind of lives. I'm Madison. Hey, it's Jill. It's me, Sarah. And hey, it's Ashlyn. And we are so excited that you're joining us today. Our desire is to encourage every girl in every season to arise to the abundant life that is waiting for her. Whether you're wrestling your toddlers or having a cup of coffee, we're here to come alongside of you and share the ups and downs of our faith, friendship, and everything in between. Hey everyone, we're here. Um, Well, actually, it's not everyone here in the studio today, but um, I'm here with Jill. And um, we are going to do, you You heard not too long ago about Sarah's testimony takeover. And so today we're going to talk to Jill about her testimony takeover and really just dive in to her story about finding her worth. Yeah. We're just really excited for her to be here and for her to share. And so we're just going to start by Jill starting her testimony. Yeah. So I think not a lot of people have heard like my full testimony on here, but I grew up with nine siblings and we were a really competitive family and all of my siblings were super competent. They were like really good at sports and really good at all the things. And so for one person to stand out among 10, it was hard, especially when they were all like getting all these achievements and things. And so I always felt like from an early age, I felt like I had to prove myself to get noticed. And it's not, I mean, my, my mom was great and she loved us so well, but it's hard when yeah. you have nine kids. Like, I have three. Yeah. And it's hard to, to show all of them the equal attention. So I can't imagine. Can you imagine having no. nine? No, I can't imagine nine. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you just almost feel lost in a sea of siblings. And I was overweight for most of my life, and that really added to my like desire and need to kind of prove myself because I always felt like being overweight made me less. I don't know exactly when that thought came into my mind, but I always remember feeling it, that being overweight made me less important than someone else. And so fast forward, I mean, I had a lot go on through my childhood, but fast forward to I got married to Adam Adams and he was my first kiss my first love, my first boyfriend, my first everything. And I was a virgin when we got married and I was like, okay, we did all the things right and so this is gonna be awesome. I had prayed for a godly man ever since I got saved at 15 and I was excited like marriage was gonna be great. And uh, within a year of marriage, I found porn in my husband's computer history and that really, really fueled my worth struggle and made it even harder because I looked at the screen and all the things that he was looking at and I was like, see, Mm -hmm. like if I wasn't overweight, then he wouldn't need to look at these things. It almost confirmed in me that I was right and that Mm -hmm. being overweight is why he has to look because there's not a girl on that screen that's overweight. You know, they're Mm -hmm. all thin and beautiful and it just really confirmed in me that if I lost weight, everything would be better. And so just on and off struggles with this for our entire marriage and then seven years in, he had an affair and that's where everything shattered. Like there was points where, yeah, I struggled but I could kind of keep it together. But then when I found out he was having an affair, my world collapsed basically that was the point where I kind of put my staff in the ground and I was like this is it 
This isn't going to happen to me anymore. I'm not going to feel this anymore. And I am going to make myself so thin and so beautiful that nothing like this ever happens to me again. And so I went on a body transformation and I started losing weight and I hit the goals. I did. I hit all the goals. I did all the things. I accomplished all the things I wanted to accomplish. And I still felt bad about myself. I still didn't like what I saw. And I just want you to like dive into that just a little bit because hitting those goals, I'm sure that made you feel really good, right? Like, I mean, you got exactly what you're looking for, but you said it didn't achieve what you thought. And so can you just elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I would say it's almost like a shot of drugs. Like Mm -hmm. when you first take it, it feels good, but it's only going to last for a moment. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it felt awesome when I stepped on the scale the time, like I had this goal for this whole time. And I, I mean, I lost a total of 85 pounds. And so when I finally hit that number that I wanted to, it felt amazing. And I was on this mountaintop, but then I would go and look in the mirror and just not understand. Like my eyes would immediately go to the one, yeah, the parts that I don't like the cellulite that's still on my legs or the loose skin I have on my stomach. And I'm just like, I would look and think, when am I ever just going to feel confident? Like Mm -hmm. I see everyone else, everyone else seems to feel confident. When am I going to feel confident? And it was a really big struggle. Yeah. Wow. So I felt like losing this weight was going to fix my marriage. And it literally did the opposite. Whenever I started losing weight, Adam and I got closer in certain ways, but in other ways it was like this really toxic thing that happened between us and like I desired to be desired by him Mm -hmm. but then when I was desired by him I almost hated it because I felt like it was only because I that you lost the weight yeah Yeah. only because I lost the weight and it just made me feel yucky and so in that like we would just we just kind of like went down this rabbit hole of dysfunction and so neither of us were following the lord at this point in time like i i was to an extent before i kind of started on this journey and when the affair happened it's like when something bad happens it pushes you to jesus mm-hmm. because it's like that's the only thing that's going to sustain me but as i started building my own kingdom and building my own just investing in myself more than investing in the kingdom i kind of realized okay like i'm doing okay on this like i'm just going to keep going in this way i don't necessarily need the lord the way i did when i was feeling crushed and so on this one side i'm feeling on top of the world because like I'm hitting the things, I'm doing the things, I'm like getting Crushing noticed. Your goals. Yep. Yeah. And people are like, Man, you look amazing and man, what are you doing? I wanna do what you're doing mm-hmm. and like getting a lot of attention in that way. So on one hand, it was good, and on the other hand, like deep down and the parts that I wouldn't let anybody see I was just getting more and more and more broken and feeling worse and worse about myself and getting farther down this hole in my marriage. And like, I got to this point in my marriage where I was just completely done. Adam and I had, you know, just brought things into the bedroom that shouldn't be in the bedroom. And I felt, I would say, like, I literally felt like a piece of garbage. Like I was worth one thing and I couldn't even measure up in that one area. So my body is what defined me, and I still hated my body, therefore I'm not worth anything. And it affected my marriage, it affected my children, it affected every relationship I had. I isolated completely because Adam and I were at this place where I felt ashamed of the things that we were doing, 
and I felt like I needed to hide from everybody I knew because I didn't want to look them in the eye. And so I isolated. I'd never, I didn't have friends anymore. I didn't talk to anybody. Um, we even moved across the country to Florida because I felt like if I can just get away from these people, I can live the way that I want to live and not feel guilty about it. And so we moved to Florida and we just got to this point. We had multiple separations, just really horrible fights that our kids got brought into and it was just a really dysfunctional time for us and then like man one day in my apartment I was I was done I was moving back to Missouri leaving Adam in Florida I had rented a U-Haul I had an apartment lined out and I was leaving him and I was gonna as soon as I got back to Missouri I was gonna file divorce papers there because if I did it there, then the custody battle would happen in Missouri and not in Florida, and I could be where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. He wanted to stay in Florida. I wanted to be in Missouri. And so I had all this plan, and I'm in my apartment, and just, like, I guess that season of life was all about craving alcohol because alcohol gave me the courage to do the things yeah. that I wouldn't do on my own. Right. And so I craved alcohol all the time. I just wanted to run away from everything and everybody. I was full of anxiety and fear and just shame. And I mean, I would say every negative emotion that you could think of is what I had. Mm. And I was sitting in my apartment and I was just like, I have no idea what to do. I, from when I was a kid, I was raised to believe that divorce wasn't the answer ever. And I knew I didn't want to get a divorce, but I thought that's the only option that I had. And so I was so conflicted in the idea of, I have this whole thing planned out, but I also know that's not what I was raised to be like, and that's not what I was supposed to do. So what on earth am I supposed to do? I felt like there was no hope in my marriage. And so why would God want me to stay in such a horrible situation. And the enemy probably had you so convinced that nobody will understand what you're going through. Nobody else has been through what you're going through. And so that in turn kept you isolated and kept everything to yourself that had no exit. Like all of your feelings and emotions, they had no exit to to be released. Absolutely. And And I just, yeah, I sat with my feelings Mm -hmm. and I just, I didn't allow anyone in. I didn't allow anyone to help. I didn't allow anyone to see what I was really going through. And so I'm there in my apartment and I'm conflicted and I don't know what to do. And I just got this overwhelming urge to open my Bible. And I opened it and I read a verse and then I started looking up verses that were referenced in the sidelines and I have no idea why I did it. I really don't. But I just started going from one verse to another and I finally felt the Lord speak to me and he told me very clearly, like, there is hope and you need to stay with Adam and I have a plan. And I didn't understand, but then I like got to this, um, I just got to this place where I felt him rescuing me and that's when everything started turning around. I love that because, you know, a lot of people think, and I know it happens in in a church or at a weekend ashes to beauty, but the Lord meets you right where you're at, like in your apartment by yourself at your last wits end. And the Lord said, Jill, like I'm here and there's hope. And that's what I needed because at that point, like I don't know if there's anything that could have got me to an ashes to beauty. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. I like and 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 once I got to that place where he kind of broke through those walls in my heart that I had built, 
then I started going to those things and getting yeah. poured into by like I started attending Ashes to Beauty and going to church and do, doing things like that. But in that moment, I needed him to break down that pride and those walls in my heart to where I was even willing to go and do those things and seek him out. Yeah. And so is that the moment that you realize like, okay, my worth is in the wrong place or was there some, how did you figure out like, okay, I've put put my worth in how I look and that's not where it should be. It should be in the Lord. And so was it that moment that he revealed that to you or was that later in your story or what did that look like? I mean, I would say it definitely started in that moment. And like, so during that day, you know, I started reading all those scriptures and then I put on a song and the song was Reckless Love and it just started praying and I wept because, you know, it says in there, he leaves the 99 for me. Mm-hmm. And I had never, like, before that, I'd always followed the Lord, you know, until I didn't. Yeah. And then I had that moment of, he's coming for me, just me. And so I started, like, listening to those lyrics, and I could see the Lord climbing mountains for me. I could see him crossing chasms for me. I could see him lighting up the darkness for me. And I thought, what a love. That it, right now, in my darkest moment, in the moment that I am the worst that I've ever been, and I am like rejecting him and running from him and betraying him every single day of my life, I'm betraying him. Mm-hmm. And he would come after me in yeah. that moment, and it was so powerful. And when I felt his love in that moment, I thought, this is what I've been searching for. Mm -hmm. I thought it was all these other things, but this is it. This is how I'm supposed to feel. This is what I'm supposed to put my worth in because this is stable. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this overwhelming sense of everything makes sense in this moment because this is how I was always meant to feel. And I knew that I had to figure out how to get that deep down into me where I could experience every day. And so in that moment, I wouldn't say that I knew like that you know, every struggle was based on that, but that's the moment that I knew how it was supposed to be. Yeah. The words of that song mean so much more when you're the one that he's leaving the 99 for. Amen. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. As you're talking about um, your worth, I know that there are probably listeners right now that are like, wow, like my worth is not where it's supposed to be. My worth is not in the Lord. And so what steps did you take to, after you realized that your worth was in the wrong place, what steps did you take to to, to put your worth in the Lord that never changes, the stable that you talked about? Yeah, I would say the first thing I had to do is, like, know who I am. Like, I had to get in the scripture and know the truth about who I am and know what God says about me because I had spent 31 years believing a certain way about myself mm-hmm. and coming to the realization that, everything that I believed isn't what I'm supposed to be believing, I had to figure out what I needed to believe. And so like, I just went to scripture and I found out what God says says about me, you know, and I looked at things like, like Ephesians 2 is a great chapter for identity and for who you are in Christ. And so I would read things like that, that are like for all of us, for all of his kids. But then I also asked God, like, what do you believe about me? Mm. Just me, just Jill. Like, because there are things that he believes about all his kids. Like, I love all my kids. You know, I adore all my kids. But there are certain things that I think about Jack specifically because that's, you know, Jack's. And he's special, you know. And so there are certain things that God believes about me that he doesn't believe about anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, like, find those things too. And so just, like, 
getting a list out and just started writing them down and like figuring out who I actually am. And it's not fitness model Jill and it's not overweight Jill and it's not any of the things that I had defined myself with in the past, but it's loved, chosen, masterpiece, created. And, you know, realizing that as a creation, like God created me and he created me to be exactly as I am. And it wasn't just he snapped his fingers and poof, Jill is there. He knit me together in my mother's womb, yeah. right? And so in in thinking about that, like I look at at 16% body fat, I still had cellulite on my cellulite on my legs. Mm-hmm. So cellulite on me is not a form of neglect because I haven't taken care of my body, but it's the way I was designed. And so like one of the things I did is I wrote cellulite as part of your design. And how do I look at something that God created with intention? And hate it. And so I asked him to take those parts of me that he created that I don't like and change the way I feel about them. Yeah. And I'm not going to say, like, I love cellulite. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is great. But at the same time, like, I have to believe that God put it there for a reason. Yeah. And I have to find a way to come to terms with that. And so taking these things, like figuring out what I'm supposed to believe about myself who I really am, what my real identity is, and then getting it to stick. Mm-hmm. And so there's one thing in knowing my identity, and there's a whole other thing in believing it. That's right. Yeah. And so there's, like, I can look and, like, I can say, okay, I know that God created me to be beautiful, but if I don't believe it, it doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. And I believe that the way we start to believe it is we have to continually speak it. We have to train, mm-hmm. just like our yeah. last, our last, yeah. um, podcast topic we don't just try to believe it we train, we train ourselves yeah, to believe it good. and so I would I said this in our last podcast I would look in the mirror and say these things about myself and it was hard mm-hmm. but it was something I had to, it's a journey I had to walk through so I would say it about myself I would write it everywhere like I would write it on my mirror I for a while I couldn't go to the gym um, because it would trigger me in a lot of different ways because of just the battle I had there. And so I created a home gym. Like I still loved working out and I wanted to keep doing it, but I created a home gym and I wrote truth on my mirrors and I wouldn't look in a mirror unless it had truth written on it because I knew that as soon as I looked in a mirror, I would immediately either start liking what I saw or hating what I saw. And neither of those things were going to honor God in that moment, you know, because looking at, Oh, look at those abs. That's not honoring the mm-hmm. Lord. And looking at, oh, look at that cellulite. That's not honoring the Lord. Yeah. And so I had to truly look at myself filtered through the lens of God by writing that scripture over what I saw. Yeah, and I just want to add, like, um, it's not wrong to have abs yeah, or no, be no, no, fit. No. And I know that's not your intentions. I just wanted to, um, I felt like I should say that because, but if your worth is found in your abs or if your goal is just to be the best looking one in the gym because of other people looking at you, like it's all about your heart, right? And so, you know, if your heart is focused on the Lord and him helping you to achieve the goals that you are setting, then that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's nothing wrong with having abs. It was just my mindset in the moment. Yes. Like focusing during that time, me focusing on my body was not a good place for my mind to go. It just wasn't. And so I had to be really intentional about that. And then, like, I would say another really important aspect in getting my worth in the right place is, like, taking thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. And my thought life for 31 years was 
one way and I needed it to be a different way. I needed a complete overhaul, a complete renewing of the mind. And so just being really intentional with like filtering those thoughts Mm -hmm. and taking them captive and making them obedient to Christ. And I will say like, it's something in me that is, I have to always be intentional about. Like I really have to stay really focused on the Lord and be in constant surrender to him in this area so that I don't fall back into old ways of thinking. Yeah. And I, going back a little bit, so you said something where you referred to yourself as you're not overweight Jill or you're not fitness trainer model Jill. I just thought in that moment, like, man, the enemy like calls us by our sin, right? Yeah. He knows our name and he, he knows your name is Jill, but he calls you by those things. Yeah. Um, and the Lord says, you know, I know your sin, but I'm going to call you Jill and beloved and loved yeah. and chosen. And so as you said that, I thought, man, you can know, you can identify the voice that's speaking in your head by those things. If you're um, referring to yourself or your worth as uh, maybe a sin or a thing that you're struggling with, then you can know that that's the enemy just trying to run you in the ground. But if you choose to listen and read the word and listen to those things, like you're chosen, like I created you, you're wonderfully made, you know, all of those things that are from the Lord, your mindset completely changes. Yeah. So I want to go back to your testimony a little bit. And so we kind of talked about the moment where you realized where the Lord met you right where you're at and you realized, okay, um, that th- these thoughts, that this worth is not placed in the right right place. And so, um, let's, let's hear the rest of your testimony, maybe the restoration of, of your marriage or what that looked like once you received the Lord and you asked the Lord to just come in and help you. What did that look like next? Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely a process. Like the, the journey going forward was a process and I, number one, had to like get intentional, like I said, about where my worth is, but I had to also get intentional about spending time in the word every day and that journey to growing in relationship with Christ. And as I grew in that relationship, I started seeing restoration in my marriage and Adam started turning to the Lord and seeing restoration in our marriage as well. And, you know, just our family just began to get restored. And I remember snapping this picture as like me and Adam started spending time in our in scripture every single morning and I remember snapping this picture of Owen like helping Jack study the Bible and thinking God is so good Mm -hmm. because it wasn't but a, a, a couple months earlier that they were always in their room closed while mom and dad were fighting and now they're chasing the Lord and and looking to scripture because that's what they see mom and dad doing truly changes generations it does. your decision to keep going changes generations it does and it was just such a comfort to me in that moment that like adam's family is different now yeah. like going forward we're different wow. and so in that like me getting my worth out of what adam thought was a huge factor in healing our marriage because giving my spouse the power to make me feel worthy is giving him a power he was never meant to have. Mm -hmm. He was never meant to define me. And whenever I let him define me, there's always going to be either disappointment or I'm going to put him up on this pedestal that he's not meant to be on. And so it's meant to be him and I side by side serving the Lord, not Adam on a pedestal and whether or not he thinks I'm beautiful is really going to shape what I believe about myself. And so as I started putting my worth in Christ, like that aspect of our marriage really changed and it helped as we kind of stepped forward in that restoration process. And so one thing I want to speak into is 
I know that there are a lot of people who have made mistakes in their life and they're like, I cannot believe I put my children through these things. And they're like filled with shame and fear because of what they put their children through. And I've been there Mm -hmm. because sometimes I think back to some of what my kids saw and experienced and it breaks me. Yeah. But that promise that he uses all things for our good is for my kids as well as me. And so he takes everything, our sin, our struggles, our brokenness, all of it, and he'll use it for our good. The enemy wants to destroy us with it, but he wants to use it for our good. And so that's the same with our kids. I am sad that some of what they saw was a part of their story, but I'm also believing in the fact that God is going to take it and he's going to use it for their good and he's going to use it to grow them and shape them into the people, the men, that they're supposed to be and then Mia, the woman that she's supposed to be and that it's going to be a part of their testimony mm-hmm. and it's going to be something I even recently Owen came home from school and he had a friend that's parents had decided to divorce and he was really sad about it and sad for his friend and he's like I think I'm going to try to encourage him because I know how it feels like when you think that's going to happen. And so he was looking for ways to encourage his friend based on his past. And isn't that what we're called to do? Yes, amen. To use our testimony and the things that we've been through to encourage others. And so I just want to take a minute to encourage anybody out there who is feeling that way. Like you, you messed your kids up because of what they went through because of you. I just want to say like God's the God of restoration and he's the God who can come in and restore anything that's broken. And so that's one thing I specifically pray for my kids Mm -hmm. that he would go in and he would take those things that they saw and the things that they experienced and he would use it for his glory and he would use it to shape them and grow them into the people that they're supposed to be. And that parts of the story maybe that like, need to be that maybe he would remove that from their memory a little bit but the parts that he wants to use that he would use them yeah and I just want to to comment on that too that it's not it's it's a great opportunity to especially I think of like Owen's age you know and and a little before now to be like I think I just want to sit down and just talk to you about what the Lord did in in my life. You know what I mean? And and share that moment of restoration in your life. And, you know, and I know you have apologized to them for those things. And so don't try to hide them in a dark corner. Bring them out to light when your kids are at the right age. You know, whatever the Lord says that it's time to do that. And let them know, like, I'm sorry for how things were, but God did this in my life and now we're here. And so that's what, you know, like Owen, he gets to take that hope to his friend because yeah. he he had that hope. And I think about your kids and they're amazing kids. Like Mia, she's the a prayer warrior, yep. you know? And so like, just because maybe decisions were made back then, it doesn't ruin your kids for the rest of their That's life right. because they, like you said, there's restoration for the, their, those pieces in their life too. And wow, God has such a plan for them. I love that you said that about asking forgiveness because That is something that Adam and I have really implemented in our parenting. Mm -hmm. Neither of us are afraid to ask forgiveness. And that's something that there was a point in my life where I felt like, well, I can't apologize to my kids because that kind of undermines my authority or something. But we implemented that. And I think, especially in things like this, like what they went through as kids, when we apologize, it brings to their attention their need to forgive. Mm. And if they don't forgive me and Adam... 
and they don't realize that they need to forgive us for what they went through, then they might carry that into their marriage or into adulthood, that unforgiveness. And so bring into their attention, like, look, I get it. It's okay that you're mad that you had to experience that. Like, will you forgive me for it? Yeah. And it gives them an opportunity to forgive and to not carry it with them. And I think it really, like, if you don't ask your kids for forgiveness or apologize to your children, it really puts these false expectations in their life that they have to be perfect. And it sets them up for failure because they're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. But if they think that you are because you don't ever apologize, um, then they think they have to be, which really sets them up for, I think apologizing tears down the walls of pride. Um, I know that that's the case for me in my life. The minute that I apologize, it's just like, I just feel so humbled um, in the moment. And so, and I know, I know my need for forgiveness, you know, and and I'm not perfect. And so I want my kids to always have that humble spirit, you know, and not have that prideful, arrogant, have to be perfect spirit. Amen. God can do so much with a humble heart, right? And there's only so much he can do when we're just full of pride. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that's really awesome, like about my restoration, like me and Adam are both serving an encounter, mm-hmm. you know, our marriage has been saved and we um, have our testimony. I still do. And we get to serve together at that and restoration like really is incredible because now like I feel a calling to use what the enemy tried to destroy yeah. me with. Like my body image and my worth and fitness and all those things that he tried to take me out with. Now I get to use them for his glory. And I feel a calling to minister to women who struggle with their body image or struggle struggle with their health. Part of my ministry is that I coach women in their health and in getting healthy and also in keeping their, you know, um, body image and their worth in the Lord. And so it's just amazing that the very weapon that was formed against us, we're going to use to cut the head off the enemy. It reminds me so much, I was going to say that, of David and Goliath. Like, the most favorite part of that story is the fact that he used what was coming against him to defeat the enemy, you know? And so that's so powerful. And if you're around Jill ever um, and you say something negative about yourself, you know that she is very quick to turn that right around and correct you for saying that. And so... I just love that um, the Lord walked with her through this story so that, because she's impacting, you're impacting so many women and generations and legacies. You're changing legacies because of what the Lord brought you through. And so it's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. God's awesome. Yeah. Well, Jill, thank you so much for sharing your testimony because like we said, it's amazing and the Lord is so good. With this topic of true worth, we just want to share with you that we are going to go into a true worth series for our podcast. And so we don't know exactly how many parts are going to be to that series, but summer's coming up. And so we know that it gets a little bit more challenging to have your... Yeah, everyone's going to start trying on shorts and swimsuits. swimsuits. (laughs) And so the enemy's going to attack there. And so we just really want to defeat the enemy in this area in um, the lives of our listeners and in our own lives because we're not exempt from these attacks either. And so um, we're just really excited to announce that, that a True Worth series is coming very soon. Yeah, I think it's our next episode. Next episode. Next week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So So it'll come soon. Well, thank you guys for listening so much. Um, We love you all, and we just pray you have an amazing week. We love you. Bye. Bye.